Yo, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Speak On It podcast with K Sam. And I got my co-host back in the studio with me. What's up, Buck Baby? What's the deal, baby? Good to be back. What's the deal? Man, not much, not much, man. Boys, frigid out here, boy. That's cold out there, man. Lord, it is cold out here in Texas, boy. Man, how you feeling, bro? Feeling good, man. Gotta gotta get done with all this Christmas shopping, man. What you got going on for the rest of the day? Oh man, I gotta go truck shopping, bro. It's time for time for a new whip. Oh man. Uh time to time to upgrade. So I gotta go do that. I see you. what I can find me. See what I can find me. It's your little ridge line, man. Honda. Yeet. <laughs> I'll go get that. Go get that new Honda. That new Honda little, little pickup truck. I'll let DJ man fully loaded. <laughs> Oh, man. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Speak On The Podcast. Here on the Speak On The Podcast, we have a motto. Uh, the motto is, we're not trying to change the entire world, but change the heart of one person at a time. So this episode, we're going to call this the year in review, uh, where we're just going to simply recap uh, the things that happened in, the, in this year, 2021, that involved law enforcement that had a, um, a big impact in the law enforcement world and in the community and just talk about how we could learn and grow from these incidences and do better as a society. Um, and then we're going to recap all 16 episodes that was recorded and released here on the Speak On It podcast. So with that being said, Buck, man, let's talk about racism. Racism in law enforcement and the false narrative that the media, our good friends, at the media, mm. uh, that the media tried to put out and make and uh, make the community believe. So, you know, it's just funny how everybody, I say everybody, but anytime an incident happens, especially with a white law enforcement officer and a, and a black person, automatically it's racist. Um, so, million dollar question, do you believe there are racist cops? Uh, I do, I do, you know, but it's not as bad as, you know, the media portrays it to be. You know, like, like you said, you know, a critical incident where a white officer you know, kills a black person. You know, the first thing, you know, white officer kills a black man or kills a black woman. You know, not officer whatever from whatever department kills and presents that person's name. You know, it's always it's always a race name. Right. Uh man, I was on a call um a couple weeks ago and it was it was it's just crazy. Like man, this lady started talking about law enforcement. She actually told me straight up, she's like, you know, <laughs> she said, I don't like y'all police department and it was a white lady uh, -huh. uh i was like what i was like why so she told me what happened and she had a, a incident where uh swat hit her house um and you know she just felt that they were handled wrong you know they sat outside for hours and nobody wasn't telling them nothing you know had all these cops in their house flipping her house upside down and the whole time they looking for child porn um and she was like what child porn so come to find out she gave her neighbor behind her access to her Wi-Fi. Homeboy found a way to find some type of external deal to where he could get the Wi-Fi inside his house without, you know, having to come over. And the whole time my cousin was uh was watching child porn or whatever, doing whatever with child porn. Um, and that's, and, you know, it came back to her address. So me and her had a conversation, but then that conversation led to all these issues uh, that I so happily spoke about on the podcast and race came up. So she she even admitted that her daughter uh, lives wherever. And she was telling her daughter was telling her about they about how they had a shooting in her city that she lived in. And the first question her mom asked was, were they white or black? And her daughter was like, what that has to do with it? 
And she was like, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's just now that's, I don't know. I don't even know why I asked if it was white, if they're white or they're black, because yeah. it doesn't matter. You know, all that matters is that somebody potentially whatever lost their life or, or got shot. Um, but it's funny how that's the first question that you want to know, you know, whether they're white or black. And I'm guilty of it, telling stories. Be like, yeah, man, I had this white dude that they was like, why I just can't be a dude, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, but, yeah, it, it's crazy how race always has to play uh, a big, uh, I say play a big part, but it's always brought up in, in conversations when you're talking about, when you're talking about these these type of deals. Um, but I agree with you. Yes, I I think they do have racist cops um, still in this profession. But here goes another million-dollar question. How do you know who's racist? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to... To pinpoint, because of course they're not going to come out and be like, oh, you know, I hate black people, or, you know, say whatever about black people. But you just, you got to read sometimes the, the things that they say or how they move and, you know, based on what, what other people might say. Uh, I heard such and such said this about, you know, about y'all too, uh, of course, being African-Americans. And it's, 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 it's hard, man. It's hard. So... <laughs> Talking about races, uh, police, it's not just law enforcement that, that has these issues. It's every every profession, man. Let's talk about this judge. What's her name? Uh the the Lafayette Lafayette, Louisiana City Court judge. Uh Judge Odney. Yeah. So for all my listeners who don't know, uh, and I'll probably try to post this link if I could find it. But and this was not to cut you off, but this all the, <laughs> this made it all the way to Saturday Night Live this yeah, past weekend. I saw that. It was on Saturday Night Live, the Shade Room. Uh, the U.S. isn't the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, uh, is involved in it. So pretty much the story that's that's being put out uh, is that this this local uh, judge, city court judge in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, they I say they, but like her her, her family. I'm gonna just say that her sons and stuff was coming home and they end up catching uh, a burglar running from their house. They tackle him in the yard, hold him down until the police get there. You know, cool story. Uh, it was all caught on, on home surveillance. So then what happens is they in the living room watching the uh, the playback on, on their TV. So, of course, you know, you're recording it and stuff like that. And in the video, you can hear one of the, I guess it was one of her sons, Say something along the lines of, you know, mom said, uh, you know, we got a we got a nigger. And like, yeah, yeah, ER. Uh, and then you hear her in the background, you know, kind of repeating it. Yeah, we got us a nigger. We got us a nigger. Got us a roach. <laughs> got, us, yeah, got us a roach. Got us one, Buck. Got us one. So uh, so how you said that, Buck, that went viral? Was that? Oh, so. The, the video went viral? Apparently her, uh, her son. Of course, he recorded it on, recorded the whole thing on his phone and put it on Snapchat. And I'm pretty sure one in Snapchat from like, ah, you know, this this ain't cool. And, you know, probably shared it to somebody else. And there you go. That's how stuff gets viral. Oh, social media. Hey, so, social media. It's so funny how social media always tend to hem you up. Yeah. That thing. But more of that story. Now, that that's all over, uh, of course, local news in, in Lafayette. Um, and like, like Buck said, man, I made it to Saturday Night Live. Uh, for all people who know about the shade room, the shade room talked about it. Yeah. Um, but it is a big deal. So then now, you know, you, you get into the conversation of, oh, it's it's not just bad apples in law enforcement. You know, you got bad apples in all professions. So now, because this white judge used used that 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 type of language, 
does that make all white judges racist now? Just like people always try to say, you know, makes all all white cops racist because of one white cop done something like Derek Chauvin. You know, he done something, and now everybody try to look at all white cops as racist. Yeah. You know, so now can we say all white judges are racist because of because of one judge's actions? Uh, but it was funny how she tried to have an excuse. Of uh, what she was being on Ambient or whatever Yeah she was on some type, of, some type of sleeping pill Claiming she doesn't remember anything she said that night Yeah what, my girl Whatever you done Like you, like you always probably t- Like you always I ain't gonna say you probably But you know Your job in your courtroom uh, Is to hold people accountable And I think it's now time for her to be held accountable And she needs to uh, Woman up And you know Admit yeah I was wrong whatever Whether she's whether she's racist or not, you know what yeah. I'm saying. But what that showed is that they use that word freely, freely in, that, in, that in, in their household, and you know, so freely to where they didn't even think about what was being said when it was said, and mm-hmm. you know, just so freely, just to post that video out to uh, to his Snapchat friends or social media friends. Um, so I couldn't imagine because just think that that was one of your, your close partners, man. You know, spend the night at their house. And you, you gotta you, know, you, you watching this stuff go viral. You like, man, I wonder what they said about yeah. when I came on that that niggers coming to the house tonight. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> got to change the sheets. <laughs> oh yeah, his head gonna be all greasy on the pillowcases. <laughs> Mom, you cook some chicken or not? <laughs> we just, we just make a joke, so nobody get butt hurt. But you know that is stuff that you got to think about. Uh, so man, yeah, it goes back all to the false narrative in um, that that the news you try to put out. About law enforcement being racist So I was just talking to Buck about this And I don't I, I never done this before But I'm going to promote this This other podcast Which I think is an outstanding podcast And I kind of mirror You know kind of what I'm doing to theirs But it's called It's Needed Podcast And uh, the main guy is based out of California And uh, his co-host is out of Columbus, Ohio uh, Ryan and AJ and I listened to their latest episode where they interviewed, uh, I forgot the sergeant name, but the, the sergeant, the one who actually got shot during the Breonna Taylor incident. And he made a good point. So y'all need to go. Y'all can find it on Spotify, all of the, the podcast stuff, uh, YouTube, where you can actually see the interview, uh, the video, the interview. Uh, it's needed podcast altogether, and you should be able to find that. Uh, but what he, he made a good point about how, the news media and people tried to make him out to be a racist. And he, he posed this question. He was like, if, if us white officers are so racist, um, and, 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 you know, just want to, just want to go out and, and hunt and kill black people. Why is it that one, we put our life on the line to go out and hunt down the, um, these, these killers who shot, who shot other black people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was like, I, I could I can't even count how many times I done plug bullet holes on a black person or, you know, done CPR on a black person, try to keep them alive, and then go suit up to go hunt down their killer uh to bring them justice. So if if we so racist, yeah, that's part of your job. And I know somebody probably like, yeah, that's that's they have to do it because it's part of their job. But even still, yeah, you can still do your job, but you could tell when somebody really not putting forth yeah, the effort in yeah. their job. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they could easily be like, yeah, well, we tried, you know, bad. yeah, cold, cold case now. Yeah. Uh, but that interview, man, I'm gonna bring that that interview up a, a couple more times in this incident because he, the some of the stuff he said, man, spotlighted uh, a lot of 
things that is that is wrong. And now he's retired, um, and he could he could speak freely about the incident. Uh, so y'all definitely need to check that out. Um, and check out that that interview. So moving along, Buck. Uh, next big thing that happened this year was the defunding of the police department. Oh Lord, defunding the police. So that 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 term came up, and um, that 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 actually has so many different definitions behind it. Yeah, you know, some people was like, uh, take all the money away from the police department and shut <laughs> and shut down the shut police down. department. Uh, some people was like, no, we just mean. Uh, cut their budgets and put it towards something, something else, else you know, mental health or the, the, the bum detail or something like that. Uh, so going into that, how do you feel that was, you know, do you feel like that, that affected the department or, or, you know, how do you think that would have played out if, uh, in the community? Cause some, some cities actually did take away the, the, the their police department or cut their budget significantly. And it and it ultimately it backfired on them because when you, you know, quote unquote defund the police, you know, and take a substantial amount of money from that particular department. So what you're doing is you're cutting off on their overtime. So big city events or whatever that's taking place, you know, you don't have money to pay these officers. So, I mean, you got officers calling out sick and be like, hey, like I'm not, I'm not doing this shit. I mean, they're not even trying to pay us. You know that money could go towards fleet. Uh, you know, take Dallas PD for incident. They're still driving on these these old charters, you know. A lot of that money could be used to, you know, update their fleet. Uh, also, you know, that money is being used for, you know, different tactical gear that's, that's being defunded. Uh, you know, just stuff that we that we need to make our job, you know, easier for us. And, you know, you got these big cities, you know, taking their money out of the budget. And it's like, oh, well, too bad, so sad. That money is being used for, you know, something else. Lack of budget for improvements. Yep. Uh and that's that's where that's where you go fill it, you know. Uh, training, hell, who who go pay who go pay to uh, to send these officers to training for you know to to help get better de escalation tactics and all this other good stuff. So yeah, um, I'm glad our our city our agency yeah. uh, where we worked wasn't wasn't taking no part of that because uh, what Chicago done it yeah like Minneapolis a lot it. of a lot of the big blue cities they they done it yeah. So and now crime rate is through the roof skyrocketing so all right then um so we kind of touched base already on the news media but you know also something that the news media do is they don't give enough credit to us as law enforcement no 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 uh, and not just the media hell society too um because you know as you know the this job is just getting harder and harder uh day in day out uh and i don't i honestly we got it knock on wood Make sure y'all can hear that knock. Uh, we got it. We got it pretty, pretty nice where we at. Uh, but man, just seeing all the stuff around the country, man, it's not getting no easier for for law enforcement. Man, people are are constantly putting us in bad situations and forcing us to do stuff that they really don't want to do. Exactly. Uh, you know, just kind of like me and your incident here a couple of months ago, where oh lord, where homeboy, homeboy tried to get me to to shoot him and. Uh, luckily for for good training and and stuff like that. But so police transparency, Buck. Police transparency. Mm-hmm. So we go tap back into the uh, Brianna Taylor interview uh, with the sergeant. So I think we talked about this in the uh, Trafer Pellerin yeah case about how when you have incidences like this where the news media and people are starting to put out these false narratives and these false stories and 
and these lies about these incidences that happen, how it should be number one priority for these agencies and admin or whatever to to get out in the forefront of, of these of these incidences before riots and protests and looting and burnings and, you know, cop killings and all this other stuff that follows begins. Um, so in in his interview, he talked about how after the Brianna Taylor incident happened, that it didn't catch traction, you know, nationally in the news media right away. But how over the weeks he could feel it, it was starting to catch traction. Uh, I think somebody in her family knew Ben Crump and, you know, sent the information to Ben Crump. And then, you know, how, how old Benjamin Crump get down. So mm-hmm. Benjamin Crump, you know, everybody just started putting gas on the, on this fire. So he said he could feel it in the air that it was about to start blowing up. So he said he went to his admin and told them, like, hey, like y'all need to put something, something out and get these facts out here. Before the city blow uh burns down and they start pro- uh, protesting and rioting and stuff, and their admin said no because of um they didn't want to set precedent for future cases. So pretty much they didn't want to start putting out facts and information uh, pertaining to the case just yet. Um, and now anytime something else was to happen that that's what people would would expect to happen and um and it's just it's just crazy because like we talked about in our like we talked about in our um in our episode how why not just put out the body cam uh video and just this dismiss all the lies and and the false narratives and the the stories that people try to say just like in the Pellerin case where the chick had the you had your, your cell phone video. The chick uh is commentating it for us where she says, you know, put down the knife, put down a knife, oh he's not listening, oh this and oh that. And then yet when the incident ended up ended up playing out and he ended up getting shot and killed, now it's the police fault. But you have that cell phone video that came out and people still, you know, oh he didn't have a knife. Oh, that was a cell phone in his hand. But why not just put out, yeah, I know, whatever, it still has to go to trial. It's under investigation and stuff. But at some point, like, people are going to make up their minds off the cell phone video or you'll give them the facts. You know what I'm saying, Buck? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And like you said, based on that, uh, you know, that, that snippet of cell phone video, that's, that's, all, that's all that the people saw. So they were like, oh, they already form- formulated their opinion. Like, like you said, this guy was unarmed and, you know, blase, blase. But, you know, actually, there was a whole lot more you know, that, that took place, you know, uh, this guy was in the store for, you know, X amount of time going in and out. And, you know, it was a whole process that that ultimately led up to the shooting. And, you know, a lot of people might not agree with us as far as, you know, prematurely putting out the video, but you got, you got to put something out, man. You know, I say within, you know, 24 to 48 hours, you know, view the, view the body cam footage. Okay. This happened, you know, whether it's good or bad and release a formal statement from the department, because like you said, that's going to save a lot of, a lot of triumph in the city. You know, you got people riding and looting and, yeah, no, no city wants that. So, like I say, I mean, whether good or bad, it's going to get out regardless. So, just put out something. You don't have to put out the whole thing, but at least the the critical portion that led up to, let's say, the shooting or whatever. Right. It's kind of like answer people answer people questions. Uh, and like you said, you don't have, you don't have to put out the whole thing, but at least put out like a screenshot. Mm-hmm. 
you know, of, of the video showing that he had a knife. Yep. Or, you know, pictures from, from the, the, the crime scene showing the knife, you know, next to him or whatever. Just something to to validate these, uh, I guess, these statements, if you will. But, yeah, man, police transparency. And then if we did, if, the if, you know, we did mess up something as law enforcement, hell, still put that out. Yeah, put it and out. And that, that would gain the trust of the community because... Uh man, when you 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 prolong these investigations, like how long would Pellerin took like a, oh, a, man, it a took, year yeah, or so, like almost, a year. almost a year, before you know state police came back with their investigation and then the DA and stuff, and you know what people would start thinking, oh they hiding mm-hmm. stuff, they covering it up and and all this other stuff and you know and that's how people continue to um not trust the not trust the police, uh, but speaking of like long trials and stuff. Don't you know? Well, yeah, don't you know? But Middlebrook case, bruh, still never, still never like went under like trial. They still trying to prove that this man is still competent. Yep. And that's to, been to since withstand what, trial. What, 2017? 2017, bro. And this, this is crazy. And so, uh, for all my listeners who may not know, uh, Corporal Michael Middlebrook was killed uh, October, I think the first, first or something like that in 2017. Uh, he was killed in the line of duty, and his killer, been they've been fighting this for you know since ever since then, um, trying to prove or or yeah, trying they trying to prove that that he's incompetent to withstand trial. Uh, so finally, they went to court. Uh, what was that yesterday? I think yesterday. Or so. Um, so now they waiting for this this judge to to determine if, if he could withstand trial. So they brought in all kind of es- experts and stuff. But that's just crazy how long this family has to wait for some justice or justice. some type of closure, bro. Uh, but meanwhile, you have any, if, if it's Dante Wright, you know, Dante Wright case, uh, you know, George Floyd, like when it's the police done something to somebody, look how fast that uh, happens, man. Immediately. They'd have to go to court within the next 48 hours. Immediately. <laughs> that trial starting. Yeah. So, Crazy, uh, man. But, you know, I just, I just find that, that, that mind-blowing how long that this this case done prolonged for. Um, so, man, talking about use of force came up this year, and de-escalation was a, was a big deal um, and accountability. So when you're talking about, you know, use of force, man, like Sergeant Holmes said, use of force will – be ugly it's not it's not it's not pretty mm-hmm. you can put a boat tie on it <laughs> but it ain't gonna be pretty still. It, it ain't gonna be pretty but de-escalation man uh i said it before in the episode that the uh, in order for de-escalation to work the person who you're trying to de-escalate has to be willing to be de-escalated mm-hmm. mm, sound like i was preaching yeah, yeah. Like um, a poet right there boy. yeah so but people don't realize you know it's just like your kid if you if, if you fussing at your kid in order for for them to stop crying, they gotta want to stop crying. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't make somebody do something that they don't want to do. You know, so uh, if 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 you telling you know, let's go to somebody going through a mental crisis. If you if you trying to deescalate them to drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife, they have to want to listen to you one, and then want to drop the knife mm-hmm. in order for deescalation to work. Hell, if they don't listen, then I mean, how are you supposed to deescalate something? Uh, or someone who's not trying to be de-escalated. Exactly. Uh, so, you got something to add to that? Yeah, you're right, man. Like you said, I mean, if if that person, like, 
called back in uh, back home at our old apartment, you know, negotiate with a guy for X amount of hours. And, you know, I could tell that ultimately he, he wasn't going to listen. And, you know, hours later he wound up shooting himself. So he didn't want to listen to what I was saying. He already formed a conclusion that, hey, I'm not coming out of this house. I'd rather kill myself. And, you know, that's what he did. You got to have somebody that's a willing participant to be like, all right, let me see what this guy has to say. And formulate their own conclusion like, okay, this is enough. I'm done. I'm coming out or whatever. I'm dropping a knife or the weapon. And that's, that's how that works. So you wanna uh, you wanna touch base a little bit more on on that experience with uh, with with that incident? Just kind of just kind of go more into details about yeah, absolutely how how he didn't want to be de-escalated and he kind of already made up his mind so that with, he was about to pull that trigger. So with that incident, I just got a negotiating team back at our old department, and I was getting ready for work. I was working six to six or five to five, five eight or five p.m. I don't remember. But uh, man, I was I was getting dressed. The sergeant that was working, uh, he called me he's like, "Hey, I ain't ready yet." I said, "I'm getting dressed. I'm about to get to eight. What you got?" He said, "Man, I need you at you know this location. You know ASAP. I got I got a good one for you." So I get there. I get briefed on the on the incident. So pretty much the night before, uh, what well, in the morning, probably about two three o'clock in the morning, the guy got into a domestic disturbance with his with his girl, and ultimately he pulled out a shotgun on it. You know, threatened to kill her. Uh, so she ended up fleeing, uh, fleeing the house, what well, apartment. So of course she called the police, police get on scene, form a perimeter. Uh, the guy's still inside the apartment with the shotgun with two kids inside the apartment. So, you know, I run code to get there. Uh, like I said, they briefed me on the incident. I immediately jump on the horn and begin talking with the guy, uh, introduced him to my, introduced him, told him who I was. Uh, we spoke a little while. He kind of told me what had happened and, you know, he apologized for it, but, you know, he kept saying, look, I'm not going back to jail. And this was within the first five minutes of us talking. Uh, so within an hour, finally talking to him and letting the kids out. The two girls came down the stairs, uh, got them to safety, and then the real negotiation began. You know, I spoke to this guy at least, man, at least a good eight, nine hours before, you know. And what he kept saying was, look, man, I got family that's in law enforcement. I know what you're doing. I'm not, I'm not coming out of this apartment. And he kept trying to bait officers in. Uh, she's like, man, I look, I see these officers uh, in tactical gear, you know, looking in my apartment. I'm about to, what if I just start shooting? I'm like, no, man, you don't want to do that, yet, you know. And, you know, talking them down. And what, what stood out is he kept saying, you know, I'm not coming out, you know. I enjoy talking to you, but I'm not coming out of this apartment. And then ultimately he wound up, you know, shooting himself in the head with a shotgun. And he already formulated that's, that's what he was going to do. And ultimately that's, that's exactly what he did. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that, that like you know, like I said, that just goes to show you that once somebody you know made up their mind, you know how you how you you go and and make them change that. Yep. I mean, it's, it's damn near impossible. Yeah. So, man, uh, let's see. Going to uh, so I, I I wrote down this question and I, I know my answer, but. If you had to take one call for service uh, away, so like if you could, if you could take away one type of call for service that the police should never have to respond to, what would it be? Uh, mental health calls, man. Mental health calls. The same thing I wrote down. Mental health calls. Why? Because it, it's, uh, you know, with, with mental health calls, man, it, it can either go like, like I'm gonna say, like my mom said, from worse to ridiculous. You know, it could go from. All right, this person is going to comply, or you no, know, we wind up having to, to shoot this person, or you know, or injure this person, taking them into custody. 
and that's we we not you know we of course we go through you know minimal training as far as dealing with you know mental health uh patients but I mean that's 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 not what we do uh of course it's part of the job but I feel we shouldn't we shouldn't have to do it you know yeah I that's that's one of the the calls I hate that's that call for service I absolutely hate it because like you said you know we we come there and act as as law enforcement but then at the same token we're trying to wear another hat as a as a mental health or a crisis counselor um and then even still like the most we could do for you is bring you to the hospital that's it and let, and, and let you talk to somebody else let you talk to scott <laughs> <laughs> uh but other than that man law enforcement should not be dealing with that and i talked about this in in uh the inherited hate episode with Alonzo where people don't realize that that you know, you call these hotlines. Uh, what they have out here, life path. Yeah, you, life call, path. you call life path out here, and you talking to somebody on the on the hotline, and you telling, yeah, I'm thinking about killing myself. Man, life path won't come knock at your door. Yeah, they call it us and be like, yeah, come on, hop on in, and uh, let's bring you down to the center. No, they call the law enforcement, and again, putting us in a bad situation uh, to go deal with a, a potential suicidal, homicidal person. Uh, and what if this person don't like the police? So now I don't, you know, what they thought they was doing the right thing by calling uh, the crisis hotline for help. Now I got the police knocking at my door. Yep. And, you know, if, if you in a crisis, well, you know, and, and you angry and you one of these people that hate the police, now you pissed off. Now, you know, let's say if you, if you have access to weapons, now you have, now, you know, fuck, I already feel like killing myself. So now I'm gonna do suicide by cop, mm-hmm. and now they just put us in a bad situation. But then, what, if you know, yeah, if it comes down to it, and that person end up dying, you know, in a shootout with law enforcement, now we the bad guys. It's like, how how does that happen? So, either, you know, we need better ways of dealing with mental people, or just all in all together, law enforcement need to stop responding to those type of calls. Yeah, uh, because most cases you get where. People call us, family members call us just because they don't know what else to do. And I, when we get that, I'm like, shh, I'll bring you to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, that's, literally, that's, that's all we can do is take you to the hospital. We can't you know? bring you straight to no no uh, no, no facility. Uh, just bring you to the hospital. Yep. And, and, and just pass you into the hands of the, uh, and then not even to a behavioral hospital. We bring you to the emergency room first. Um, so, yeah, I, I really... I wish they would make a stop responding to those calls. Or just man. come up with a with a with a better way. For, yeah, I, you know, actually have you know mental health counselor you know working you know working the during work, the twelve hour yep, shift with us working and you know let them respond. Of course, we will back them up, but let them you know run quarterback and we just we we sit back and, and stand by and stand by for some for some protection. Yeah, that's definitely what we need. You know, I, I heard it, uh, one of the guys that that does the the mental health uh, deal out here. Uh, of course, they only work day shift, but we talked about it when everybody when when everybody started talking about how these crisis workers need to be responding, you know, frontline instead of the police and stuff. Uh, where they had an incident, uh, I don't know if it was a male or a female, but at an apartment complex, they didn't want to open the door for the for law enforcement. So whatever a counselor actually came out on scene, who've been dealing with this person, and you know. Told the cops, oh, y'all just stand down, and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take care of it. And went knock on that door, and this this subject ended up snatching them into the apartment and closing the door and locking the door. 
And now it almost turned into pretty yeah, much a, a hostage, hostage situation. situation where they didn't know what was going on. So they trying to call the council on the phone. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing was coming out of it. And I, I don't know if they end up coming out on their own or they end up having to kick the door down. But at the end of that, that incident, the counselor was like terrified. Like she mm-hmm. was scared for her life. Shit, yeah. yeah. It was like, like I, I really felt like I was about to die in there. Um, so it's just an all around sucky situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean, it's just only getting worse because man, the the the, type, the amount of mental health calls that we get is is just going going through the roof right now, especially with with young kids, yeah. man. And with the pandemic going on, you got all these people losing their job and their homes, and you know they're, they're stressing, man. Yeah, with the it's with the, the, it's the world we live in now, with the young kids, man. Uh, so yeah, so if I had to, if I had to. To take away one call for service that we would stop responding to, I would agree that it would be mental health type calls. So, man, going back to the Dante Wright, uh, I just pulled this up. So, talking about training, you know, of course, they made her seem like she killed him because he was a black guy, and uh, I still to this day stand firm on my word that that was that that was an accident. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially based based on her. Uh, you know, her, her immediate comment after she realized she shot him mm-hmm. and not tased him, she instantly said, I'm going to prison. And that that's that's how you knew she she knew she fucked up. Yeah. Um so people it was it was uh a big thing on how you mistake your taser for your gun. Um so in this article that I'm reading from the New York Times, it says, uh, while not common, there have been several instances in which police officers mistakenly fired their guns when they meant to draw their tasers. And it starts back in 2018 where they have a rookie uh, Kansas police officer mistakenly shot a man who was fighting with a fellow officer. So that was one incident. I don't recall seeing that on the news. Um, 2019, a police officer in Pennsylvania shouted out taser before shooting an unarmed man in the torso. Don't recall here now and on the news. Uh, and then look, talk about race. So you saw, so y'all heard how I just read, and I'm reading it straight from the website, how they just said a police officer, uh, you know, Kansas police officer or Pennsylvania police officer. Here's how the news media gets you. And it says, and in one of the most publicized cases, a white police officer with the Bay Area Rapid Transit Agency said he meant to fire his taser when he fatally shot Oscar Grant III, who was who was black, as Mr. Grant was laying face down on the train platform uh, on New Year's Day in 2009. Yep, I didn't get you, man. So just just, just that quick, and, and we wasn't even talking about race in this, but just that quick, here's a prime example of how the news media, so I guarantee if I had to put any money down that the first two incidents is, the subjects have to be any other race but but black. Yeah. yeah. But now we ha- it, it, it's critical that they say a white police officer fatally shot Oscar, who was a black. You know, so it's like, why? What what does it matter? Yep. But so all that to say, one, that you see how the news media, you know, uh is creating this division that this the this division between law enforcement and the community and just simply between black and white, man. Uh, so that's who we need to be angry with, not not law enforcement. Yeah, you can be angry at law enforcement also, but it's the news media, bro. That's supposed to just be giving us the facts. The facts, but they misconstrued information, man, left and right. Left and right. It's crazy. 
Uh, but so all that to say that it did, it, it does happen. It shouldn't happen. Uh, but it did. But I think she said that she never had any physical training with a taser. So she said something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a little bit crazy too, that you would, she got a lot of bars on her shirt, boy. Should have. I mean, train at least once a year in your training. You know, it's type of in service training. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they they do that. Yeah, there ain't no way you can say that. Yeah, that uh, that you didn't know. You know, and of course they pointed out the weight difference and the color and stuff like that. And you know, yeah, she should have known the difference. Um, in it, but there ain't no way you can say that that you never had no no physical training. Yeah. Uh, and that, but that that's still an active case, uh, right? Yeah, still yeah, still on. going on, yeah. Yeah, so, and she, I watched a little bit of her testimony, man, that lady is distraught, bro, which, I, that's what makes me, again, believe that it was a, it was a traumatic incident and, you know, a uh, for real accident, um, based off of what she done. So, man, uh, what else took place this year that, that we kind of touched base on? Uh, and it's, it's, it's so much that go on in a year, uh. It's really hard to keep track of everything. But the Rittenhouse, that, that stood out this year that you talked about already. Yeah. Uh, um, how how did how do you feel COVID affected law enforcement this year? I think not as much this year as it did last year. Uh, you know, everybody's – good bit of people are vaccinated now. Uh, since the vaccine, I feel it's gotten a little bit better. But, of course, there's still, still some, you know, restrictions. Uh I feel it's not too too bad this year, as far as actually us actually policing. Yeah, uh, did it happen this year where where the jails was kind of? Yeah, it did. Where the jails was, oh, was yeah. strict. Uh, yeah. Well, you bring somebody to jail and they they cough, sneeze, they tickle in their throat. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> bring them to the hospital. COVID oh, test. Eyes watery, or they just all they have to do is say, "Man, I've been around somebody who who's tested positive." Shh. Turn them around. Reroute straight to the hospital. It came to the point where you're somebody just take them straight to the hospital, yeah. get a test the person, and then bring them to jail. <laughs> so that that played a big factor in law enforcement. Uh, and what that done, not that, uh, yeah, kind of out here, but from talking to my boys back in Lafayette, um, the parish jail was wasn't taking no uh, wasn't taking really nobody. Uh, so what would happen is you catch these people with stolen guns, stolen cars, whatever dope. Um, and the jail wasn't taking them, so you know all he was doing was getting caught and getting released right back on the streets. Uh, yeah, right after the incident, so that played a big factor. Uh, we had a lot of people that was out on our shift, so you know yeah, with yeah. COVID, so that made law enforcement shorthanded. Yeah, but I got uh, it on shifts. Um, so I have this this deal from the uh, Officer Down Memorial page. Speaking of COVID, so so far in twenty twenty one. Uh, you want to take a guess of how many line of duty debts we had in 2021? And it, it goes from 9-11 to COVID to gunfire, vehicle assault, and all kind of anything you, you could name. This year I say with COVID, uh, go with 300 plus. That's how many total, total. line of duty or that's how many you think total. died from COVID? Total. Total? 470. So, uh, and out of 470, 316 died from COVID-related. Wow. Uh, and out of that, 58 died from gunfire. Um, 
So that was just, I don't know, I, I was just doing some research and that I came across that and I was like, oh, man. Yeah, COVID, That's a lot man. of people bought from COVID-316. That's almost a whole force. Yeah, man. It's a whole lot of people. Um, so, yeah, so COVID happened. Uh, oh, Mr. George Floyd. Yeah. Mr. Floyd. Uh, how do you feel that that played an effect on law enforcement? Or that, that I said played, but that how, what you think that done for law enforcement? I think a lot of people got scared to uh, go hands-on after that because they didn't want to be the next, you know, topic on the news or whatever. And that, that kind of restricted a lot of, especially a lot of white officers or officers that's, that's not black, too. Like, man, look, I'm not dealing with anybody. I don't want to be the next face on the news or whatever, the next meme. And that, that affected a lot of people. Like, we had guys in our department, you know, that actually said that. Yeah. Uh, but people don't realize, man, that that uh, stuff like that, man, that, that makes you, and it should make you start thinking. Uh-huh. But that's when you rely on your training and know that I had done everything that I was trained to do and done everything, you know, in good faith and ethically. And, uh, you know, if it's going to make it a big deal, I mean, let it make it a big deal. It, it still sucks. No? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It still sucks, you know, that you and your family uh, would have to go through it. But at the end of the day, you should be able to sleep better at night knowing that I done what I was supposed to do and done it correctly. Yep. Um but, you know, stuff that people don't think about is the effects that these, you know, when, when officers under scrutiny like that, you know, nationally and all this other good stuff and getting painted out to be such a a monster in uniform, like, man, that has an effect on your family also because they, they dealing with, with stuff like that also. Because now you got, you know, coworkers that, you know, that, uh, whoever you, your family members work with asking, asking them questions like, man, what's going on with such and such or uh, what took place? And, you know, they, they don't have to deal with that stress. Outside their home as well. Uh, yeah. So uh, I never heard nothing further from. Uh, I remember one episode we talked about the George Floyd Act. Um, let me see. I think I have some right here. Uh, or they? What were they? What were they? You remember what they were trying to pass from, uh, the, from the George Floyd Act? I don't remember offhand. You have to refresh my memory. Oh, uh, let me see. So I think one of the things that they were trying to do was require agencies to adopt the use of force policies that emphasize de-escalation uh, to take away, oh, de-escalation, uh, use of force, and the qualified immunity stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 that's what it was. The main thing, the qualified immunity. Yeah, and then from that, that that started the uh, duty to intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, that's sad that you have to create a house bill. Yeah. To make, to, you know, to, to require... Officers to you know to intervene or else they go get in trouble. It's crazy. Um, so man, I think that was about. I'm pretty sure we we forgot some stuff, but uh, let's let's start recapping these episodes that we've done uh, so far over the year. What this number seventeen? So you want to kind of go through uh, and spotlight some of your favorite episodes and and, and kind of some some good points from it. Uh, that that we made and that we could learn from. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite episode. I don't remember the numbers, but we had our sergeant on there. Oh, and 14, 14, 40 year vet. And that's that's based on you know you get experience from the younger generation and from his generation as far as you know how things have changed and you know how, how policing is just just totally different. You know back then when you know when he first started, you could you know do a lot of stuff and it, it would. Still, the media stuff was still involved, but it's not not like how it is today. You know, you could actually be a cop back then compared to now where, you know, you, you're pretty much under a microscope on the things that you do. Uh, 
It's another good episode. I like when we talked about the Trey for Pellerant uh, deal. Yeah, that one. That, that, one. That, that was a real good one. That was a real good one. That one came with a lot of facts. Yeah. And I like the uh, the Rittenhouse episode that you just done. That one was good as well. Yeah, shout out to shout out to attorney attorney Millage, man, my my man out yeah, there running running for the old judge seat, man. Shout out to him, man. That, that was a, that was a really good episode, man. He he displayed a lot of a lot of good information. Uh, you know that that I didn't realize, and that you know I, I got to see from from his point of view. Yeah. Uh so I I liked. The uh, inherited hate one was was a good one. That was the longest one I think we I done. Yeah, um, you know, just kind of just kind of hear it from somebody else's perspective of why in the black community law enforcement is is so hated, um, and and it kind of opens up you know opens up your your eyes I guess I say to understand to understand why. You know, and how how that came about, you know, because it's taught in the homes, you know, it's kind of almost inherited because you hear family members experiences with law enforcement. And, yeah, even though you didn't go through it, you still feel like it affects you and and you go kind of get angry about it also. Um, The roundtable talk was a good one. We need to do another one of those. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Just to kind of just kind of do some do some different Systematic views again with Attorney Millage was uh, was a good one, uh, where again he took us into the courtroom and kind of laid out how everything how everything really really comes out uh, and play when you when you dealing with dealing with these trials. So man, to start wrapping this up, man. Uh, any closing remarks? Man, I wish you know it was before pretty, the year in. <laughs> yeah, like it was a pretty good year, man. Uh, I mean, for us, you know, we went through a couple of hiccups, you know, on our shift, but, you know, it is what it is. We get officers, fought through that, you know. Wishing everybody a safe rest of the year. Start the new year off right, man, 2022. 2022. Hey, Already, bro, that, man. That went by. Quick. That went by fast, bro. Tell you what, boy, I hope we don't get another snowstorm. Ooh. Oh, dog. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> boy, I ain't trying to deal with those snow. Hey, that, that was just a, a one-time that one time experience was was plenty enough for me, cause I mean it is cold already out here. Like like it's like it's gonna snow, but uh, man, I ain't I ain't trying to deal with that. Yeah, it's bro. cold right now, but it's gonna be 80, 84 degrees come Christmas. That's crazy, it is man. Eighty four degrees for Christmas. <laughs> Got to open up them pools, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that last thing uh, I found this on uh, on the website again. When I was doing some research, so it's just eight things. Uh, eight law enforcement trends to watch out for. It said in 2021, so this was back in November. But uh, they talked about recruitment and retention and how uh, how it's hard to to find people that want to be that want to get in law enforcement. You know, just watching the civil unrest and the protests against law enforcement. Uh, and then with with COVID, man, and shout out to all the people that's currently you know in uh, in the police academy or. The people that still has a passion to want to do this job and continue and fight through all the negativity that's been coming um, at us uh, in law enforcement. Uh, They talked about the the advancement of a new generation of leaders, you know, pretty much uh, uh, adopting to the more uh, new generation of, of things while, you know, you still have your old, your old heads that's in admin who've been, who've been cops for a while that's still stuck in the old ways. Um, talking about intelligence of, of uh, lead policing, technology, uh, 
about how trying to do more community policing, getting the public involved. Uh, something I like that we do out here is is the Citizens on Patrol Academy, where uh, you know you pretty much a, a volunteer cop, but you you're not actually going out there with a gun and a badge and stuff, but still you kind of go through a a, um, a mini you know police academy. academy. At least you kind of understand what what's going on. But number one is uh, improvements on organizational accountability, and you know how. Everybody just need to be held accountable from, yeah, law enforcement uh, to the community. So hopefully, man, we, we can see we can see uh, everybody starting to take accountability for their actions. Let me see. I wrote something down in my notes, and it says, I said that, I said, uh, we have to stop making every incident that involves a white police officer or any officer at all into a racial incident. Let's start looking at the whole incident and discuss right versus wrong and hold said subject accountable uh, instead of trying to. Because it's so funny how uh, let's just talk about, you know, race stuff. So uh, if a, a black suspect, you know, does a shooting or whatever, but then they turn around like we said in the episode, yep. you know, a white officer slapped upside the head. Now his, now his white officer slaps black man uh, across the head. And meanwhile, he done, he just done killed three people, you know. <laughs> So, uh, hopefully, man, in 2022, we can start holding uh, holding everybody accountable um, and start moving forward. So, that was it, man. I think that was, I think we touched base on everything for the year in review, right? Yes, we did. Good episode, man. So, uh, so this is the last episode of the year. Uh, I'll come back in 2022 with some fresh topics. Uh, I got a lot of stuff lined up because I didn't nearly touch base on, on half of the stuff that I wanted to do this year when I when I started this podcast. Uh, so, but I, I, I want to end it on this, Buck. Let me see if it's going to work. Let me see. Uh-oh. And Merry Christmas. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank y'all for tuning in to the last episode of 2021 of the Speak On It podcast with K, Sam, and Buck, episode 17, year in review. Want to wish everybody a happy, uh, merry Christmas and a happy new year. Uh, y'all be safe, man. Y'all love on one another. Y'all love on your family, man. Life is short. Life is happening quickly. Uh, so, Buck, we out, man. We out, baby.